Welcome to Nothing Never Happens. On today's podcast, we have Dr. Victoria Rue, who is a professor, author, playwright, theater director, workshop leader, and Roman Catholic woman priest. She has taught at San Jose State University from 2004 to the present in comparative religious studies, women and gender studies. Uh, in the fall of 2018, she will be in Israel and Palestine with the Fulbright Federation. For Rue, teaching is an encounter with the self and others, and theater is a way to engage the whole person in critical thinking and engaging stories. She uses theater as a way to teach cooperation, community building, and embodied or somatic learning. Through theater games, improvisation, writing exercises, and the performance of plays, Rue creates learning communities that explore new possibilities for social change. Her work addresses issues such as HIV AIDS, cancer, domestic violence, LGBTQ issues, and homeless youth. With the Gusto Boal, Rue sees theater as a rehearsal for revolution. According to Rue, Theater is an arena in which we can dream what we want in our society. Her book, Acting Religious, Theater as, religious, as Pedagogy and Religious Studies, published by Pilgrim Press in 2005, has both theory and practical examples of her pedagogy and theater work. And on the website, tinapippin.org, you can see more resources and a connection to Rue's website. Um, Rue has been very influential in my own use of theater uh, as pedagogy in, in my religious studies classrooms, especially my Bible and religion class, which is a 100-level class, um, in getting students into the biblical characters and getting um, a community of learners in a classroom that are, are coming from very different religious perspectives. Um, or no religion whatsoever. So um, we're going to talk about theater as pedagogy in the classroom, higher ed, and also K through 12. If you're in K through 12 and you're listening, so join me in welcoming uh, Dr. Victoria Rue today. Welcome, Victoria. Well, thank you very much, Tina. It's just a great pleasure to be here with you. Well, it's it's good to hear from you again. It's been a while since I was in one of your workshops at an American Academy of Religion meeting, uh, and hopefully we can repeat that in the near future. Um, you have a Master's of Divinity degree, or as you call it, a Mistress of Divinity degree, which I love, from Union Theological Seminary, or, um, and I love this, I'm going to start using this with my students, Union Theological Oviary if I got that right. Yes, thank you. <laughs> in New York City. Um, and a PhD in Theology and the Arts from the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley, California. So could you tell us a little about what your background in theater is and how you began to connect theater and religious studies in your teaching? Okay. Um, well, interrupt me if I wax on here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wax on, wax uh, off. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Los Angeles, where I began my work, um, 
I was very influenced by feminist theater, uh, mm-hmm. and, and this was during the 70s, um, and the, uh, the late 80s and in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, so women, women playwrights and, and the power of women's voices um, yeah. was uh, just a huge influence on me. I was working at uh, KCET television um, mm-hmm. early on in in the in the seventies, and uh, they did something called L.A. Woman, which mm-hmm. was a, a show that had women from Los Angeles just expressing all kinds of different views. And it was so I mean I remember it so clearly to this mm-hmm. day because it just influenced me so much in terms of hearing voices of women that I'd never heard before. So uh, uh, from there, I began working, uh, reading women playwrights, and uh, mm-hmm. I had a BA in theater. And so in Los Angeles, where I began my theater work, mm-hmm. um, I was very influenced by the uh, early feminist theater in the late 60s and early mm-hmm. 70s. Um, and I read a lot of women playwrights and really began to understand the power of women's voices coming from all kinds of m- margins of our mm-hmm. society. And, um, of course, gender, race, class, and all of uh, those very important justice issues. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was influenced by Viola Spolin in the beginning mm-hmm. and uh, her work on improvisation. I began yeah. to look particularly at women uh poets and began my work with Sylvia Plath at (laughs) and I I did a piece about her work uh, at the Mark Taper Forum in Los Angeles and um, began to work with other with novelists and uh, uh, short story writers Mm -hmm. adapting adapting their work so that it's, it, was, it was me understanding that there was, uh, there was a sort of a, a background voice and mm-hmm. a foreground voice. There was an interior voice and an exterior voice. And all the, I began to understand this through writers, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, through uh, feminist um, poets and novelists and short story writers. And... Um, when I moved to New York, um, I that work got more complicated by uh, understanding the work of Meyerhold um, in Russia, and mm-hmm. Joe, Ch- Joe Chaikin was doing a lot of his work at the time in New York, and um, I began to understand the multiplicity of ca- within a character, uh, even even deeper through Meyerhold and Chaikin, and. Um, and particularly with Joe to understand the mm-hmm. importance of the of ensemble work and how creation, uh, how plays can be created mm. uh, uh, with an, uh, really by an ensemble and then shaped mm. by a director. Um, at the same time, I went to Nicaragua and um, mm-hmm. began to see theater there. This was in the um, early 80s. Began to see theater there as... Um, both an education tool and a tool of resistance. So, yeah. for example, I saw a, um, uh, a wonderful theater piece um, on how to uh, create a tourniquet. 
Hmm. Um, and this was when, you know, the U.S. was funding the uh, overthrow of the Sandinistas through the Contras, right? So we yeah. were right up at the border. And, and this is where the theater was being done with hmm. the people who lived on the border. So, um, uh, and Alan Bolt's work in Nicaragua was all, I also had a hmm. chance to see while I was there. Um, so, uh, the, by the time I then, um, came, um, I, I began to s study theology, um, mm -hmm. in the mid eighties and then came out back to California. Um, uh, and while, uh, while I was at union in New York, uh -huh. I did a play called the landscape of my body, which mm -hmm. brought together, um, feminist issues. Uh, and mysticism uh, mm. and feminist theologies. Mm -hmm. well, uh, what what got you to seminary from doing theater work? What was the? Uh, it was Nicaragua, actually. Mm. Okay. Uh, I I had a chance to um, visit um, any number of comunidad de base uh, based communities mm -hmm. and uh, understood that they saw uh, making clean water mm -hmm. uh, as an act of prayer. Yeah. Uh, making uh, street lights in their community as an act mm -hmm. of prayer. Mm -hmm. And I, I was blown away by that. Uh, and so I, um, I took that experience and reflected on it and followed mm -hmm. that, that thread of mm -hmm. liberation theology. Yes. And uh, found my way to Union, where yeah. James Cohn, bless his uh -huh. heart, yeah. was teaching, uh, along with Bev um, and uh, Dorte uh, Sola, and mm -hmm. um, of course, was largely influenced by Carter Hayward. Um, yeah. And that would be uh, Beverly, Beverly Harrison. And, and Beverly Harrison, Social. sorry. I should yeah, have said Christian Social Ethics, yeah. So um, the, these were my great muses and mentors mm -hmm. um, at Union, and uh, then wrote a play um, that brought together all of my, the, mm -hmm. all of the great learning that Union provided uh, me. Um, fabulous. And then came out, to, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's fabulous, because uh, these are some of the, the greats in liberation theology and feminist theology. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely, um, and uh, and so it, when I wrote the play as uh, part of my MDiv thesis, um, mm -hmm. I began to understand the how how to integrate uh, the academic world and the theater world mm -hmm. in putting that together. Um, so uh, when I came out to California to do the Ph.D. work at the Graduate Theological Union, mm -hmm. um, my dissertation wound up being something called um, Cancer Bodies, Women Speaking mm -hmm. the Unspeakable, um, theology, a feminist theology um, uh, enacted. Mm -hmm. And so that that really was the meeting ground for all of these influences and issues yeah. um, that I and Anna Debeer Smith was doing her work mm. at the same time, mm -hmm. um, particularly fires in the mirror. Yeah. So I don't know 
if you want me to talk about this, but I, this was so um, remarkably uh, ovulary <laughs> to yeah. my work uh, in this play, Cancer Bodies, because the way we created it was uh, we used Anna DeVere's uh, methodology of interviews uh, out within the cancer community. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to, I went to uh, women's um, circles uh, in terms of they would meet every week and talk about the various different kinds of cancers yeah. that they had. And I was privileged to sit in on an African-American women's breast cancer group as mm-hmm. one of the groups that I sat in on. And um, I just, I made tape after tape after tape of mm-hmm. women's stories yeah um taken directly from these women mm. uh, you know not paraphrased by me but they uh, yeah. these women speaking their own stories a, a la anna Devere smith mm-hmm. and then i gave them to uh seven or eight actresses mm. individual tapes you know or mm-hmm. uh so you know one actress would have three or four characters that i would give her or three or four interviews mm-hmm. from three from people and then I asked them to come back and then through a la Joe Chaikin um, uh, through uh, working with them in, in an ensemble way we began to build characters a character mm-hmm. from a composite of these of these audio tapes yeah and um, I also at the same time adapted uh, uh, a book called Cancer in Two Voices by Sandy Butler um, that was a feminist approach to women in cancer and mm-hmm. telling her own story of her partner um, mm-hmm. who had died of cancer several years earlier. Yeah. So all of this came together in this play. And mm-hmm. uh, when I left um, uh, the Graduate Theological Union, having finished the dissertation, mm-hmm. I began work um, to look at, well, how else can I use this? And so it was biblical drama mm-hmm. um, that I, I began to look at various different stories, the hemorrhaging woman, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sarah and Hagar, etc., etc. Yeah. And um, then, uh, let's see, I, I, I began... Um, I, I'm trying to give you examples of things. Yeah, well, if I could get you to talk, stop sure. here a little bit and talk about sure. the Mary Miriam in yes. and Islamic traditions. That yeah, well, that now for. we're jumping right up to the present. Um, yeah. So my my interest um, uh, my interest in Mary Mariam, um, mm-hmm. Mary being the mother of Jesus and Mariam being the name for Mary in the Quran. Yeah. Um, it, it all came from my teaching the Abrahamic traditions. Mm-hmm. And the Abrahamic traditions uh, at San Jose State University, where classrooms were anywhere from 30 to 40 students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, students from many different ethnicities mm-hmm. and uh, little, if any, religion and some with a great deal of religion, you know, a real mix, just as your classrooms yeah. are a real mix. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
so the the my interest in then in 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 Mary was as something that uh, came out of a previous play that I wrote about the Exodus story. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Exodus story uh, was I was it was used as a a way to connect Jews and Muslims, mm-hmm. um, as the Mary Mariam story was a way to connect Christians and Muslims. And this initial idea came from Maha El Junaidi, who is the uh, director of something called the Islamic uh, Network. Um, group, mm-hmm. ING, mm-hmm. Islamic Network Group. And she had had this idea of using the Exodus story and mm-hmm. uh, interrupting the play, mm-hmm. you know, create, create a little play, and then keep in, interrupting it with audience discussion. Well, yeah. this is not unlike Boal, except it yeah. was not it, it was not using Boal in, in yeah. the sense of really spectacular, etc. Um, but it it really uh, worked fabulously and mm-hmm. uh, with the story, and so I thought I would try um, bringing uh, Christian Muslim situations together and chose the character mm-hmm. of Mary, and to my great delight discovered um, in my research uh, the the wonderful uh, uh, importance of Maryam in mm-hmm. Islam. Um, her name is mentioned 33 times mm-hmm. in the Quran. There's a whole book uh, that is, uh, there's a whole surah, a whole chapter that mm-hmm. is devote, that's called Maryam. Um, and if you, if you pick up the Quran, you'll know that it is not like the Hebrew Bible or the Christian Bible yeah. in the sense that it isn't a beginning, middle, and end story. Mm-hmm. It's more like a, a flow of consciousness. Yeah. Um, and so the story of Mary is found in various different places in the Quran. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, this play then uh, looks at uh, a little bit at mm-hmm. Mary in the canonical Gospels, mm-hmm. but it primarily looks at Mary uh, in the... Um, uh, in the apocryphal or, or extra-biblical Gospels, yeah, um, and which is where we find much more information about Mary, um, and yes. then that is juxtaposed to the to the Quran. Huh. And where was this performed? This was done at uh, Peace United Church hmm. uh, in Santa Cruz, California. And then we made a videotape of it at that performance. And by the way, the cast was made up of people of uh, several different um, religious backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of neat. Our rehearsals were just fabulous, as you can imagine, yeah. the discussion that went on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we made a videotape of it. And since then, um, the play has been done, uh, seen in Jerusalem. Hmm. Uh, at Tontour Institute, at Tontour Ecumenical Institute. Yeah. And it's been uh, viewed uh, and used. In other words, you can use the videotape uh, of it, and then you keep interrupting the videotape of the performance. Wow. And 
have a live audience that then interacts, hopefully of Christians and Muslims, who get a chance. Mm. Uh, and people have also used it as an education tool simply for Christians who know very little about the Quran yeah. and want to, want to learn more. Mm -hmm. Oh, fabulous. Uh, so, um, when you uh, engage communities in this kind of work, how do you find the people to do it? Uh, you're talking specifically about what I call interfaith theater? Yes. Uh -huh. um, it takes being involved in community organizations uh -huh. uh, that are interfaith organizations. Uh -huh. uh, and I don't use, for the most part in this work, I have not used professional actors. Mm -hmm. I have found through my years in the theater that um, I have just as much joy, sometimes mm -hmm. more so, working yeah. with people who are not professional actors um, and watching that kind of tremendous growth and beauty that pours mm -hmm. forth from people as they engage them full, their full selves yeah. uh, with theater work. Um, so I, I reach out to people, I hold auditions, I, I, I uh, mm -hmm. corner people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and say, gee, you know, you, you just seem so perfect. For, mm -hmm. would you, wouldn't you come and meet me for coffee and we'll just read through this and, and, yeah. and, and you know, whatever persuasive means I can find. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let me take this back to the classroom. Sure. Uh, in, in your book... Uh, acting religious, you describe the first day of a an in, in introduction to religious studies class. And this could be any intro to anything, probably. Um, and where you tell students to, you know, take off your shoes, sit in a circle. You've warned them there'd be theater in the class. But the very first day and the very first moment uh, is an embodied moment. Um, yeah. so tell us yes. about uh, that approach and the response of students um, who are used to uh, learning from the neck up and are used to the expert, as Paulo Freire would say, you know, pouring the knowledge into their heads and expecting mm -hmm. entrance interest in return um, so you know the banking method so how how do you negotiate that with these 30 or 40 students you have at San Jose State for example well as you say it, it's absolutely necessary to do this from the get-go so mm -hmm. yeah. uh, if you begin using these methods halfway through your course, mm. as uh, as several colleagues have tried to do halfway through their course, yeah. it never works. Yeah, people, uh, students are too resi uh, They feel too uncomfortable to try mm -hmm. something midway through the course, or to change their picture of what the you know their picture frame of what they think the course is about. Yeah. So um, if it's in your syllabus, and uh, if you're if you're really uh, begin from day one, and uh, uh, people. Some people are uh, uh, uncomfortable with taking their shoes off, mm -hmm. um, and that's okay. 
and uh, if some people are uncomfortable with sitting on the floor, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, you know, I, I just make the invitation to mm-hmm. open the space. Yeah. And uh, if it's, uh, sometimes if it's a particularly um, difficult space, meaning a small space that I'm teaching in, yeah. then we have to go outside. Uh, if the weather mm-hmm. permits, mm-hmm. but uh, I think what's what's essential is that you, the professor, mm-hmm. need to find joy mm-hmm. in this uh, unorthodox approach to learning. Yeah. Um, from the get-go, mm-hmm. uh, you will find that students are uh, their energy is immediately engaged mm-hmm. uh, and they become uh, excited uh, by this. Um, I always start with group work. I mm-hmm. never do individual work uh, at, at, the, at the very, when I say individual work, I would never ask someone to, to start an improvisation. It's, yeah. uh, it's too yeah. embarrassing for people right at the get-go. Um, but if you do a lot of group work, and it's, again, in my book, there are any number of exercises that I suggest, mm-hmm. and you can get exercises from any number of other practitioners to do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, I, I just find it opens up the classroom to be a place that is going to engage not only critical thinking, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, but critical pedagogy. Yeah. Uh, so that you're really, uh, the student is involved in, uh, in the subject matter, mm-hmm. in creating the subject matter. Um, and, and it's also obviously important that um, the body is being engaged uh, mm-hmm. here. And I have to say that, you know, I don't want to make, I don't want to paint a rosy picture here. So it, yeah. it is oftentimes very difficult to get students um to relax and mm-hmm. do something that they are never invited into mm-hmm. in any other space. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and frankly, um, you need also to be aware that uh, some traditions, uh, whether mm-hmm. they're uh, ethnic traditions or religious traditions, yeah. um, are not uh, either uh, either aware or 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 sometimes resistant. Uh, or just simply shy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, exactly. and, and that's why group exercises at the very beginning and really accepting the tiniest, tiniest movement, mm-hmm. the tiniest movement as wonderful, thank you, mm-hmm. right? yeah. uh, as being an expression uh, as a signature of that student. So um, well, I try to engage them, obviously physically, but I also use music. To mm-hmm. do that, yeah. and sound to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, could you say more again, about? The, could you say more about the use of music and sound? Uh, give an uh, example. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I I have people. Um, we we stand in a circle, mm-hmm. and the music that I use is uh, any many different kinds, uh, but something usually quite rhythmical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've d- used everything from, you know, just a drumming uh, CD to uh, Carmina Burana, um, mm-hmm. 
all different kinds of music um, and getting people to simply move mm -hmm. uh, in rhythm with the music. Do anything mm -hmm. that they want to do, right? I'm not asking them to dance, just to <laughs> move. Yeah. And uh, that idea alone is already radical in the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you're in a classroom where you're, you're teaching uh, either women's studies or religious studies, already you're in the world of what is the relevance of this to what is the relevance of the body to mm -hmm. any particular religious tradition or to women's studies or yeah. to um, uh, feminist theory if you happen to be teaching um, theoretical approaches. So mm -hmm. um, it, it's very, uh, if you begin with the body, I, I really deeply believe that uh, the rest of the course will um, find, find its flow. That's the end of part one of our conversation with Victoria Rue on theater as pedagogy. In part two, Victoria is going to give specific examples of what she does in her classroom and in her work in community theater.